Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa and Dustin, it is good to have you back, man. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough missing a week. We'd gotten into kind of a routine, but Cameron did a great job in my absence. So I appreciate you guys doing that. It was a, it was a good episode. I listened to it on my, on my flight back. So it was a, it was a good time. It's kind of weird listening to your own podcast and you're not on it, isn't it? I I had to do that once. It's a little weird. (laughs) I thought you guys, you guys held it down though and covered some awesome stuff. There was a lot of good football news. There was some basketball stuff going on. So it was a busy episode. And then this week, it seems like a little bit lighter, but still some stuff to talk about football related. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, again, a, a shout out to Cameron for coming on. Got some positive feedback. People <laughs> asking him to come back on. So it's like maybe one of these days we'll have him like operate a soundboard or something. He can sit in the corner <laughs> and uh, I don't know, but it was the fun. I, I enjoyed doing it. He told a, a story that I'm not particularly proud of. So if you didn't hear it, you got to go back and listen on the podcast. But, oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, it was it was a fun time podcasting with my little brother and uh but beyond that, Dustin, uh, how was vacation? Vacation was good. Uh, everything good in your world? Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, got to get away with my wife for a little bit. That's the first time both of us have gone on a vacation since the little one was born about oh, five that, months ago. So that'll work. That was, yeah, we'd gone, we'd gone out of town each other separately, but we hadn't done a trip together for multiple nights. So it was a good time, but now just back at it, you know, watching a little Oklahoma State, Wichita State softball, top of the six, two, one Oklahoma State. So well, every time we watch on the podcast, <laughs> they win. So they are they always playing. They're always playing when we're potting. So it's just kind of how it goes. But no, it's it's really good to have you back. And there's there's plenty to jump in. We we did kind of roast you last week for for missing that podcast. Like of all the weeks to miss, like they're all important, right? We wouldn't we wouldn't lie to our listener. They're all important, but that was like that was like your week. That was that was yeah. all you. I tried to go back and make up for it a little bit this week on Twitter, doing a little bit of breakdowns on it. some of the new offensive line it, guys. So if you haven't if you haven't seen that, go check them out. I just did a few tweets on each guy, broke down the snaps by year by position. Um, Obviously, you see Jason Queso Brooks has played pretty much everywhere on the offensive line. Uh, Prince Pines, mainly at guard, looking good. And then Collier, he's only had a couple snaps at USC, so just looking at his huddle tape, but he's a monster. Six, he, seven, is. So. he is a monster. I, I still yeah. like the Orlando Brown physical comparison. We'll see if the play on the field matches. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm excited for each of those guys. The biggest thing for me was depth. I mean, they now they give you a little flexibility. You can potentially shift some guys back to where they may be more natural. And I know we're going to get into that um, here in just a moment. So uh, a, a big deal, I think. And, um, you know, we, we won't rehash that. I think there's a lot to get to. Um, and we've obviously got, you know, multiple position groups to break down as the season uh, rolls in closer. So, um, you know, Dustin, without further ado, I mean, spring football, is upon us and it's uh it's rolling hot and heavy we're all we're already only like two and a half weeks from the spring game uh if you can believe that it's nuts 
Yeah, so this is week three of practice. If you haven't heard, Monday's practice was canceled. <laughs> I did hear. <laughs> there was a flu outbreak among the team. I think about six players got it. And Cole Birmingham, uh, Oklahoma State's offensive guard, they interviewed him and he said they showed up ready to go. And like a minute before practice was supposed to start, they just heard it was canceled. So it sounds like some guys got the flu, nothing too serious. Gundy said it was just precautions, you know, with something like the flu, you don't want everybody on the team to get it and knock you out for the whole week. So I believe they were back at it today. The specialists still practice. So punters, kickers, long snappers, everything, but they're back at it. But Kate, I've got a, that a couple of quotes. So Gundy was on his uh, Sirius XM Big 12 today. And then he also met with the media because they didn't practice. And he said a couple of things. We can go through them as we talk. But I know one thing you and I wanted to hit on was the defense and Trace Ford. And, Cade, let me just read you this quote from, his, from the Sirius XM show. Gundy talking about the defense when asked about if they were going to be as good as last year or any, anything comparable to that. So he said – we were able to lead the nation in sacks last year without a single defensive lineman being drafted. I don't have any doubt that we're going to be good on defense next year after watching the first four practices. We have athletes out there. They are fast. They can cover the field. There is not a, any question that they are going to be mentally tough. When we get ready to roll at the end of August, I foresee us playing good defense. So it sounds like Gundy doesn't think they're taking much of a step back at all. So that got me pretty fired up. I don't know about you. How, he doesn't usually speak that directly about his team he's, like that he's done it before about the offense in the right. past I think right. but I don't ever remember him getting and he he was last season obviously about the defense because he knew they were going to be good but when going into a season when you got when you're replacing this many guys especially on the back end I I can't remember a year when he's talked about the defense like this yeah no I think that's exactly what I I'm getting at here he is all he is like you can tell how the team is by the way he talks in the preseason. And I mean, this it's April 6th guys. This is not, we're not in August. And um, that is a, that is a big statement. And I, I don't necessarily like, it's not like I can't see that being the case. The defensive line is going to be as good as it's ever been in Stillwater. So yeah, if they can get enough pressure, the secondary just has to be good, almost even average at times for the defense to be good. So no, I could see that being agree. the case. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Those those were great points you hit on. And and Cade, as you always do, and the reason why <laughs> I'm better than Cameron is because I think I bring out the best in you. You have another great segue here. It's just what you do every single time. <laughs> you talked about the defensive line. We mentioned Trace Ford earlier. So let me give you some more quotes about that specifically. So on Ford. Gundy said he's doing really well. He said the same, really something really similar to the media, but this was on the uh, XM radio show. He's doing really well. We could turn him loose right now, but we don't have to. We'll let him go through all the individual drills. We'll not let him go through the team settings, and then we'll put him back in the team settings in August. So here's, here's the part, Cade, that I want you to focus on. I foresee on passing downs that Brock Martin, Colin Oliver, Tyler Lacey, and Trace Ford being the four down pressure guys in our third down package. If we go three down, we'll pull Lacey inside and put Ford and Oliver on the edge and let them rush. You think of moving Tyler down at 275 pounds into a three technique and those two guys on the edge. Most teams are going to have to slide protection to Colin and then Trace is on the other side. Most teams will try to double the nose, the one technique, and then some teams might try to double team Tyler at the three technique but that's hard to do because you have a five technique out there that is either Trace Ford or Colin Oliver. <laughs> yeah, it's a little hard. Yeah, I mean, 
He, what do you think about I, that third down package? Martin, Oliver, Lacey, and Ford. We've talked about it on here, have. but to hear that, that's just me and you, you know, dreaming, just talking. Yeah. So Gundy's actually saying it. What does that, what does that do for you? Well, I'm just glad he listens to the podcast. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that is, that is. No, I'm just kidding. I, it's, it's got to be what you do, right? Your, your job as head coach is to get the best players on the field, however possible. Now, a lot of times you've got a problem with like, maybe you've got two running backs or three running backs, or maybe you're loaded at wide receiver like Oklahoma state is where you can't possibly get everybody on the field at the same time. Right now, their problem on the defensive line is not a problem. Like they don't have that. They are stacked as, as much as I think a big 12 defensive line has been um, in years. I'm sitting here racking my brain. Like, we talked about Trace Ford as being a generational talent two years ago, Dustin. We did. We talked yeah. about him being the guy. And then Colin Oliver comes in and is a is a All-American. And so now it's like, okay, what do you really have on the defensive line? You have two potentially All-American players on the defensive end, and then you've got uh, just a uh, little Tyler Lacey there in the middle to clog things up. And Brock Martin, I mean, it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And Kate, that's not even talking about first and second downs or non-passing third down situations. You've got Brendan Evers, you've got Sionia C, you've got Samuel Atahulamaka, you've got Aiden Kelly, you've got Cody Walterscheid, you've got other guys that are going to have to get out there too, who are absolute monsters. I mean, Evers is one of you and I's favorite players. A C has gotten better every year he's been in the program, and he's a bowling ball in the middle at the nose. So it's just it's just a you know so much wealth on this defensive line for Derek Mason, Mike Gundy, and just the entire defensive staff and coaching staff to play with. It's going to be really fun to watch. You got to think that that was part of it for Derek Mason, right? He probably saw some film and was like, who is that guy? And who is that guy? And who's that guy? You mean (laughs) I get all these guys, if I get all these guys and they're really, really good and I coach them up, you mean I can go get another job in a, in a year after like, and we've talked about this, like Derek Mason's, you know, lifeline. I don't expect him to be a, a 10 year defensive coordinator for Oklahoma state. I don't, I I'm looking at two to three years and maybe on the low side of that. Um, and so you got to think that that might've been a job and like, I we're going to be really good up front. Um, and as I said, if they are just average on the back, they're going to make up for that up front. So um they're going to be good. I can see it. He Gundy's talked me into it. Yeah. And, and speaking of Mason and to see, he had some really good things and really interesting things to say about coach Mason in, in practice, in a practice setting. So he says to the media, this Sionia C coach Mason, he brings a, when comparing him to Knowles mm. coach Mason, he brings a different energy than our past defensive coordinator. It's actually exciting because he is like a people person. He really cares about us as people. And I think he is a huge, that is huge on our part. Everyone is buying in and he wants the team to buy in. He said that basically he sat all the players down and just kind of went through with them that told him what he's here to do, what he wants to accomplish and told him that he's, he's here for them as well. And he said that a C just said that kind of resonated through throughout the team. So I thought that was pretty cool. And you could tell, I don't know if you, not to, always like I do plug OSU max, but there's some really cool Derek Mason videos on there of him coaching. They're only like five, six minutes long. I think there's three of them, two or three, but they're awesome to watch. Okay. That's fantastic. Well, 
it doesn't surprise me. Um, what like it doesn't surprise me that Derek Mason is a people person and is connecting well with that generation of athletes. That does not like that doesn't shock me. What is interesting though is the undertone of of that comment about maybe a previous defensive coordinator. I I'd never heard anything. You you always heard you know Colby Harvell Peel Bernard Converse talk about how much they liked Jim Knowles, but. There was also no secret, like we, we talked about this on the podcast. Mike Gundy had to rein in Jim Knowles as a as a coach, like as a hey, we don't like we don't dog cuss, you know, our guys here. And and that was a thing. So you gotta wonder if um, you know, that I mean, it sounds like they may be polar opposites in that regard. I have no idea. I'm not in that in that in the Sherman Smith Center watching practice, so I don't really know. But um that's interesting and interesting to kind of watch as you know, whether Derek Mason's on the sideline in the box, any chance we get to see how they interact with well, how he interacts with the players, I'll be taking advantage of that to kind of watch that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And, and you hit on that, that, that it's kind of what, what you've heard that Knowles was a little bit more Gundy's mentioned it kind of like a mad scientist. He calls him Dexter from Dexter's laboratory. Yeah. And I think Mason's more of a get out there, actually coach the players where Knowles was maybe more focused on getting in there, scheming. He wanted to do everything. It sounds like Mason may let his analysts do a little bit more. You know, the guys that are oh, interesting break down the film and stuff like that. So I think I think you kind of hit on it with that. And then that's maybe the other side of it. Just that just different personalities. Not I don't think a C was taking a shot. Like, no, like I don't either. Said. It's just yeah. there's an undertone to that to that comment that definitely not taking a shot, but you have to look at the other side of that. So uh, interesting. Definitely interesting. Yeah, definitely interesting. So Kate, I wanted to give you a couple highlights from into last week's practice, actually basically all of last week. And then kind of some things I'm hearing on the actual field with the players. So let me know if any of these, any of these things interest you. I think the first one will, (laughs) I can't wait. Ollie Gordon broke off his first real long touchdown run with a 53 yard scamper up the oh. middle and then uh. broke it to the sideline to score there. Um, Jaden Mix, Jaden Nixon apparently has looked just as fast as he has in any game we've seen him in so far. He's had a couple touchdowns. I know he caught a short pass for a touchdown. Spencer Sanders connected has been connecting with our board. Jaden Bray last week, they had a big touchdown hookup. Gunnar Gundy has been, has been targeting our guy Langston Anderson. And then Kendall Daniels, has two interceptions and should have had three. One fell out of his hands. Oh. Um, we've seen Braden Johnson with a big play from uh, Spencer Sanders. Gundy, Gunnar Gundy and Rashad Owens have hooked up a few times in the end zone. Braden Presley as well. And then it sounds like the Anderson-Gunnar Gundy connection has been on fire in practice. So Jabbar Muhammad's looked good. But all these guys, all these names that we wanted to hear about have – kind of been popping and it sounds like Cade you know we've talked a lot of depth chart on here I'm not I'm probably not going to send out another one until after the spring game until I actually get to see a little bit of on-field stuff but it sounds like the one receiver seemed to be Jaden Bray, Brendan Presley, John Paul Richardson, and Bryson Green who are guys that we had talked about there with Braden Johnson uh, rotating in there and then Langston Anderson, Rashad Owens have been kind of the main guys with the twos it sounds like a cowboy back it's going to be Cassidy and Blaine Green, sorry, Blaine and Bryson Green are both out right now, but it sounds like that's who's going to be the ones. And then it sounds like at Cowboy back, it's going to be Braden Cassidy and Blaine Green as the Cowboy backs. But like I said, the, the Green Twins are both out, just some injuries from last season. They're getting fixed up. But 
that's that's who seems to be the guys. And then at running back, Gandhi mentioned Dominic Richardson is going to be the man on day one, and Jaden Nixon is going to be the two. So he he kind of went out and told the media that it sounds like unless something drastic happens or an injury, it's going to be Dom as RB one and Jaden Nixon as RB two. Yeah. So a lot to unpack there. It's interesting that Gundy came out and basically was like, yeah, Dom's RB one. Like that's basically what you, you get out of that comment. So um, not surprising, but um, is interesting because it's only April 6th and that if there's ever really a question at a position like that, it seems like we don't get clarification until the the ball snaps on, you know, August 30th or September 1st or whatever that, you know, first game falls on. What I will say is we nailed it on the depth chart. Those six receivers, uh, the four ones and the top two in the twos, that's what we had. And then with Braden Cassidy and Blaine Green at the Cowboy back, that's exactly what we had. So um, not shocking. What is interesting is Bryson Green out on out with the ones on the opposite side. I, I guess I expect Sorry, he's not he's not practicing with them. But the, the, both the greens are out. But it's from what I'm hearing, it sounds like they're thinking Bryson will take right. the other outside receiver spot. Sorry, but I made that confusing. Which, no, 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 no. It, it wasn't. That's exactly how I took it. But it that is interesting not unexpected but not necessarily expected like you could have seen langston anderson out there i think mm-hmm. um so definitely something to keep an eye on ollie gordon ripping off a 50 yarder uh <laughs> is he just back in high school i mean that, that's what his highlight tape is is inside zone ripping off 50 yarders that's what he did no i i love it and yeah sorry for just rambling all that off i just had a bunch of notes from those practices i wanted to get to but oh hey i'll give you one more uh, now that the, it's all coming back to me Jaden bray is he wide receiver one? I think he's kid. I think he's going to be the go-to guy. I, again, he may not end with the most receptions. I think that could be a Presley thing, like you and I have talked about. I think that was your call. But I think on third downs, in situations where you have to score, have to get a first down, I think he's going to be looking to Bray. Man, wow, that's awesome. I love yeah. Jaden Bray. I think he is going to be that good. Um, it's a lot of trust to put in a true sophomore, but we've seen crazier things in Stillwater. So, I mean, Tylen Wallace was the go-to guy as a true sophomore. So, yeah. If, if somebody can break out and make themselves the clear cut number one, who, whoever it is, if it's Presley, if it's Bray, if it's Richardson, like Sanders go-to guy in tough moments, if yeah. someone can kind of establish themselves as that early in the season, then I'm going to be really excited for this wide receiver core because if Anderson's looking this good in practice, if Braden Johnson's back to full strength, Gundy's saying he's looking faster than ever, you've got six or seven guys, and you're not even talking about your talent Shetrans and the young guys like that who, who could even make an impact, but you've got six or seven yeah, veteran yeah. guys. Oh, just him? Just him? Yeah. yeah. So you got six or seven veterans you could rotate in who've all, because of last season when they were needed, who all have playing, playing time experience. They're, they're absolutely loaded at wide receiver. Again, just again, loaded. It's crazy. Yeah. So, Cade, let's get to. We've gotten a lot of questions about this. So, I wanted to spend some time, and I know you did too. <laughs> the offensive line. So, we've talked about, let's recap Hunter Woodard, Silas Barr, Preston Wilson, Joe Maholski. They're all out. I believe it's all shoulder things, getting some scopes done. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. So, they're all out. Cole Birmingham recently interviewed. He said he's working at left guard. We've seen him previously play right. That's where Josh Sills played. We've seen Cole Birmingham play tackle in times of need last season. 
to, to be specific. It sounds like he's playing left guard, and it sounds like Caleb Etienne is absolutely dominating at tackle right now. And it, it seems like he's going to be the surefire left tackle going into the fall. Like no one's going to beat him out for that spot. And I know that was you and I, and a lot of the people that follow us and ask us questions on Twitter, a big area of concern. So how does that make you feel hearing that? Not, not just hearing it, but Gundy actually talking about Etienne performing well. Yeah. Well, let me just remind you of who Etienne is probably going up against in practice. Colin Oliver, Trace Ford, Brock Martin. Like if he is, if he is quote unquote dominating, I've, I've, I've read the same things, heard the same things that he is the guy. He was the guy last year, but there was some other things going on that, that may have prevented him from seeing the field that I think he was a little, a little out of shape. I think last year, not, not maybe weight wise, but just kind of athletic athleticism wise. So if he's figured that out, and, and now it, everybody's talking about it. He's the guy. I mean, golly, that helps. That really helps. It's a, it's a question answered. Um, it's just, to me, without having heard that, you know, if you go back two weeks ago, before we had heard this, it was, we don't really know what we have at left tackle. We really don't know what we have at right tackle. So what are you going to do at tackle? And I will say the other part of this, Cole Birmingham even said it in a quote about guard being his more natural position, how, you know, tackle requires more finesse and being inside at guard, you really just go hit somebody and drive them back. Seems like that's what Birmingham does best. And I mean, if you put Etienne Birmingham and then, I mean, shoot, you've got now three guys that you just brought in. I mean, is Prince Pines going to be your right guard? What do you think? I mean, what, what do you, what do they do? Yeah, so Kate, I wanted to give you a couple scenarios. Let's talk through them. I, I think this will be interesting. It may be oh, really, I can't wait. It may be really be boring and, and stupid, no, I, I can't wait. Try. I can't wait for this. Okay, so let's say so we've got Jason Brooks in from Vanderbilt mm-hmm. and him play both tackle spots and guard. So he can yep. play pretty much anywhere. The one game, oh, I didn't want to caveat, I, I put out his highlights from those games that I clipped. He got dominated at right tackle and pass. <laughs> yeah, no, sh- <laughs> we don't talk about it. <laughs> so he he just he was just a little slow. I think they were playing. It was Tennessee in that game. He was just a little slow. He he looked okay. It was just it was tough uh, watching there. But let then you've got Prince Pines from Baylor and Sam Houston. We've seen him get a lot of snaps mainly at the two guard spots, mainly left guard. And then you've got Casey Collier, who is a highly touted recruit. Has not seen much action, but he is a tackle. He's six foot seven, so he's going to be a tackle. So let's say first, for the first part of this scenario, let's say that none of these guys, so all of them are coming in the summer. Yep. They're not going to be here till June. Yep. Let's say they come in and they're just not able to get the system down. Maybe they're a little bit out of shape to where Rob Glass wants them to be. Yeah. None of them can play. Totally a possibility too. Like that's, yes. that's probably what's going to happen. But yes, go ahead. So let me give you three offensive lines and and we'll go one by one. So I'll give you one and you let me know how you feel about it. I'll give you the second one and then maybe we can rank them and what you feel most comfortable with. Oh, I love it. So the first one, and we're just going to do the starters. Left tackle, we're going to say Etienne. Left guard, I'm actually going to put Preston Wilson there. Then we're going to have Joe Maholski at center, Hunter Woodard at right guard, and Cole Birmingham at right tackle. Is there anyone you would rather in that in that grouping or mixing that up at all? Or how do you feel about that one? I know we saw Birmingham struggle a little bit at tackle. That's not his – he even said that's not his true position. Yeah, that's what I was thinking media. about. 
Yeah, but that, that, I, actually, I don't know who said. else you put there. Yeah, I don't know either. They, there's a question mark still there. Um, I think you might. I think you might be onto something with that one. Um, I don't love it because of what he said about playing tackle, but he's shown at times he's capable of handling it. So right. I like it. I don't love it. Okay, let me give you number two. I think you might like this one a little bit better based okay. on that answer. See, and remember, I, I'm saying none of the transfers can play. I'm just, yeah, just and I like scenario. that assumption. Yeah, yeah. So we got Caleb Etienne at left tackle, Cole Birmingham at left guard, Preston Wilson at center, Hunter Wooded at right guard, and our old pal Jake Springfield back at right tackle. I, yeah, I like I like that one better. Uh, you know me well. You know me well. <laughs> I I don't love Jake Springfield at right tackle, but. I don't know of how many great edge rushers there are in the big 12 this year that aren't playing for Oklahoma state. So I think they might be able to get away with that a little bit. Um, Jake so. just does everything pretty like not, not fine. Knock on him. He's he just, just does fine. everything pretty average, which is actually a good thing. He does everything around that. It's just, I don't think he excels at one thing kind of to your point. He may just not be completely strong enough to start for OSU at the, tackle, but he's a great depth piece. The left side of that offensive line is strong, very strong. Etienne, and you said Birmingham and Wilson. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's a really strong grouping right there, those three. Yeah, I completely agree. And then Water. I mean, Water has been great. That's a great lineup. Go give oh, me Water's awesome. I think he's probably the best lineman on the team. Yeah. So this is the third one. This is sent in from my buddy DJ. Uh, DJ, he gives us some great questions and info so shout out to him I I don't I haven't shouted him out on the podcast before but appreciate DJ for that but his is really similar but he's gonna go Etienne at left tackle Cole at left guard then he's got Joe Maholski at center instead of Wilson Woodard at right guard and he has Preston Wilson at right tackle who we've seen play tackle as well yeah I actually think this may be my favorite of the three what is it that you like about that one better you you like you think Mahalski is capable of handling center and so put the guy put Wilson out there at right tackle right I think you're taking a little bit of a drop off at center going from Wilson to Mahalski but I think that Preston Wilson is a better is a better all-around offensive lineman than Springfield I think Preston you're right. Wilson may be the, one of the bit most technically sound offensive linemen on the team and smartest. He's, I mean, he's at sin. He's going to, this is a guy who we've literally seen play almost every position on the line. Right. right. And they tr- they want him to start at center, meaning he's the guy that's calling out the offensive line assignments, calling out what the defensive line is doing. So you've got to have a very smart, capable guy there. And I think Wilson is that guy. He may not be a great tackle, but I think if you've got to put somebody at right tackle, I think you can trust Joe enough at center and put Wilson out there at right tackle. Yeah, no, I, I like it. If it if I had to have either of those, it's it's two or three. I think you can leave number one. Um, because I Preston Wilson's gotta be on the field. Mahalski's the one that's like, okay, it's a little bit of a wild card. He was good at times. I mean, he was he was starting center against TCU. He struggled and they, with Baylor, but I mean right, everybody because the biggest dude I've ever seen in my life. Right, so right. You 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 took the words right out of my mouth there. I the only time they really struggled to run the ball when Mahalski was out there was the Baylor game. But I think most teams would have struggled to run the ball there. So um, what, what this does tell me is Oklahoma state's going to be fine on offensive line. And I feel really good about it for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And you're the dream scenario 
is either for a Tyron Weber, who we know is running yes. with the twos right now, for him to step up and play right tackle. We've heard some things about maybe moving him inside or a Jason Brooks, a Casey, a Casey Collier, guys that have experience at tackle to come in and play right tackle to where you can leave Birmingham at left guard, leave Woodard at right guard, Wilson at center, Etienne at left tackle, and then you've got Got, then you don't have to play those guys every single snap of every single game. You know, you want them to be in there to have continuity and everything. But, you know, if a guy needs a blow, you can put in a Prince Pines. You can put in a Queso Brooks. You can put in a Eli Ross. You can put, you know, you can put in these guys. You know, Logan Nobles has been running tackles with the ones, I believe, at practice. That's a guy I believe that was formerly a walk-on. You've got some depth now to be able to rotate people in. If you could just solidify those tackle spots, I think this could be one of the better offensive lines all around from a depth perspective that we've seen at Oklahoma State in a few years. No, I'm with you. So let me let me ask you a question. You've asked me a ton of questions. I'm going to ask you one. <laughs> I'm being very annoyed. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that. Uh, of those of those three transfer offensive linemen, which one do you think has the best shot, given those lineups that we just talked about, has the best shot to contribute real like reps for this offense in, in this season? It's a tricky question because I think Pines is the best, but Cole Birmingham and Hunter Woodard are probably two, unless, unless I haven't seen a lot of Etienne, he could be up there as well. But from what I've seen, Woodard and Birmingham are the two best offensive linemen we have. And they're at the guard spot. So it's a little weird to answer because I think it would be Pines, but then I think you have to have Birmingham out there. So do you put him at tackle? That's why so I asked you. This is why I asked you. It's tricky. I, I think, I do think that Brooks could come in and play right tackle. I know I just said about pass pro with him, but I think he's a guy that could come in. He's familiar with Derek Mason. So he's got, I know Derek Mason's a defensive coach, but it, He's going to feel comfortable, I think, coming in with a coach that he knows. He's got a lot of experience. He's played multiple games over multiple years for Vanderbilt, played on special teams. So I think he's a guy that could come in and play right tackle right away. But I think Pines is the best of the three, and I think it's not super close. I think Pines is really, really good. I I, I love everything you Maybe said. Maybe Pines there. can play tackle. Well, so here's where I'm headed. I, I think I think Collier, as we've both said, is the most natural tackle of those three players. And I don't know if he's going to be the guy out there on the right side, but let's say he let's say he is. Let's say he I comes in. Do you do you think that the offensive line at that point is better than you? Like it has to be better than you expected, right? Because if he's able to come in, he's six seven, three hundred pounds. He is a true tackle. He he is a physical like freak he he looks like an nfl tackle and so if he's able to come in and figure something out here i know he only played minimal snaps in at usc but he's like an interesting candidate to maybe fill in at, at this right tackle spot that we really don't know a ton about like i love the idea of wilson at center and we could we could beat this horse till it's until it's real dead but i like wilson at center and then if you can figure something out at right tackle i think you're going to be fine but i the, the zone running scheme that Oklahoma State runs, I feel like you almost have to have a, a surefire bet at center. That's just the way the way I see it. But um, 
you know, again, there's, there's so many ways you can dissect this. And I'm sure as we get closer into the summer and, and fall, we'll, we'll, we'll hear more, but um, Casey Collier is one that I'm like, I, I want Prince Pines to play. I want Jason Brooks to play. I think Casey Collier, if he does play, that means that the offensive line like is, is going to be in a better spot than even I'm thinking right now. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And Cade, you talking right there just got me so fired up because I'm, I'm ready to just, I love, you know, I love, I love baseball. I love softball. We both love basketball, but yeah, I'm it feels ready like to get... 45 podcast is rooted on football and I'm yeah. ready to get back to talking about the offensive line for 30 minutes at a time. But... <laughs> I can't believe we did that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you uh, humoring me on that. I did. I did want to give you Kate just a couple more things since we haven't talked about the defense before we move on. It sounds like the the one safeties are Jason Taylor, who we knew was going to be out there. Thomas Harper, who we knew was going to be out there. And it sounds like Caden Dan or uh, Kendall Daniels, who we both love, and Shawn Michael Flanagan are rotating at that other safety spot. And then a lot of Cobb and Benson at linebacker. But some names you may not have heard, Donovan Stevens. Oh, yeah. Nick Mar- and a Nick Martin, who we, we have on our two deep have apparently been really impressive. Donovan Stevens from Dell City and Nick Martin's a guy we've talked about from Texarkana, from Pleasant Grove. I, we have him on our 2D behind Benson. Donnie but. Stevens is kind of a physical specimen. That's mm-hmm. that's interesting. I like yeah, that so a lot. They've apparently been looking good. And then I, obviously Lamont Bishop, he, he's a freak. He was a freak at the practice I went to last year. But, Cade, I think, I think that's all I've got on spring football. I know we hit it for a while, but – I think that's what the people want. I know that's what you and I like to talk about. So we wanted to, we wanted to give you a spring football, just info dump. Well, I'm, I'm pulling up a soundbite for you. Um, when you, when you said that about Donovan Stevens being in the mix, uh, it, all I could think about was this right here. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> workaholics. Yeah. little workaholics. Oh, I like that. That's, I didn't see Donovan Stevens coming in the too deep there, but uh, you could interest me in that. <laughs> Well, hey, before we go any further, Dustin, into the into the transfer portal, the gates are open there. I do want to take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over a hundred schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code feels 12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping as always promo code. Feels 12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Dustin, I think we can revive the transfer portal segment, at least this week. Next week, we may have to cut it out, but this week, let's talk about it. Uh, I, I heard there's visitors at practice, um, maybe not out of the transfer portal. I know there, there are some recruits at practice, but let's, let's start here. Ethan Bullock entering the portal thoughts on that. Yeah. So he's not, he hasn't been on the roster, the spring roster. So we knew he was gone. You and I mentioned that he was probably gone. The one weird thing is I think 
he was maybe going to try for the NFL, just try to make a roster or something like that, because he was on the pro day list that I read out on the podcast. And apparently he was supposed to throw to Tay into Jalen Warren. And I know sacked. he didn't just, I know he didn't just no call. <laughs> I know he didn't just no call, no show, just ghosted him, but he apparently wasn't there. So JW Walsh ended up throwing who's a, a coach at Oklahoma state and former oh, player. Wild. You guys know him, but that now it makes sense because he's not going pro he's transferring. He probably didn't want to be at the pro day and do all that. He probably had his transfer stuff set up. So he's in the transfer portal. He's a guy that I think he was really committed to South Dakota state. One of the Dakota schools had some good junior college years. I think he could go play at a small school. I know he looked, He's not looked great in the times he was out there. I know you're referencing the first time we saw him. I believe he got sacked four times and threw a pick. But I, I feel bad about that. He, I, I get it. It was a bad he, offensive line. Yeah, I could, I could see him playing at a really small school. Maybe not starting, maybe being a backup. But I think he's a talented guy. I think his time at Oklahoma State just didn't really work out. But it was nice to have him in the QB room because now you're looking at guys like Gunnar Gundy, Garrett Rangel and Peyton Thompson, who don't have much in-game experience at all behind Spencer Sanders, a running quarterback yeah, <laughs> who has a tendency of getting hurt, as we've seen in the past. So I, I wish him all the best. He, he I mean, he's not going to go down in, in my book as a favorite all time, but he's definitely uh, he's definitely a guy. Yeah, I feel I feel a little bad. I kind of hammered him on that one pretty hard. No, but, no, uh, no, no. I he, mean, I'll tell him, and he'll probably beat you up. But yeah, no. Well, reason. I mean, that that's okay. It's uh, it is what it is. <laughs> but no, not uh, n- not a huge loss. I mean, I, truthfully, from what we saw, does does a Gunner Gundy or an Ethan Bullock make much difference if you roll one out there? I, I don't think so. I actually um, think Gunner Gundy's better. I think I. I agree with you. Um, you're just bold <laughs> enough. Faster. To, you're just bold enough to say it. I bo- I agree with you though. So yeah. Uh, but beyond that, Dustin, I mean, some some other things going on. We've talked about some needs in the transfer portal all off season. We talked about interior offensive line. Well, I think they've got that figured out. Uh, now though, it seems as though I mean, Gundy said it. They might be looking for a running back, cowboy back in the transfer portal. What's kind of the latest there? Yeah, so Gundy, I think it was Garen Emig from the Tulsa World had an article come out. Just It was mainly asking Gundy about the transfer portal after those offensive linemen committed, more like philosophical. But he did mention that they definitely want a veteran running back in the room with all the young guys. And then they may, as of recently with Austin Gerrard moving on, look for a cowboy back tight end position to just kind of come in. And I would assume they'd look for someone more of a Blaine Green, Tabry Shetron type than a Braden Cassidy, Logan Carter type. So we could see that. And then you and I, I still think they may try. This was, this was you were hit, been hitting on this for forever, and I agree with you. I still think they may try to get a cornerback. We saw them get in on that Darius Joyner from Western Illinois, but I know he's looking elsewhere. But I could see if the right guy popped up out of nowhere – or maybe even a guy who hasn't found a home yet, a veteran corner, not to start, just to be in the room with a bunch of guys who are really young. Yeah, no. So I, I want to go back to the running backs real quick. I, if there's a spot on the team that makes me the most nervous, I think you could point to the safeties. 
No, I'm going to take that back. I think you could point to the corners and I think you could point to the running back room. Um, and I say nervous, like take that with the grain of salt. I think they're going to be fine, but I just think they're going to be fine. Dom Richardson, I think is a good change of pace back. Do you, I, I don't know how much I love the idea of him getting 20 carries a game. I mean, can he handle like a Jalen Warren type of load? Um, you know, I mean, look at Boise State last year. Oklahoma State didn't win that game without Jalen Warren. They, to me, they need a guy like that carrying the load. They need somebody that can break a game open who's getting the majority of the carries. Because if they have that, it takes the pressure off Spencer Sanders to run, takes the pressure off of Spencer Sanders to even throw the stupid pass. Because now you've got a running game that with an improved offensive line and a running back that can go get you five or six yards a pop. I mean, that that's a really good recipe right there. I, I think they could get that with Dominic Richardson, but let's say they bring in somebody that is a big time transfer portal uh, guy. We don't know who that would be yet, but let's say they bring in a decent My guy, name. Dylan McDuffie from Buffalo re-entered the portal. He did I, re-enter the portal. the pod, Ross Lawyer pointed that out. I love him. Not you know what? I saw that because I follow him on Twitter now, and I was a I was very confused. I was like, I, hey, "Hey, he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out." You never know. Well, we I don't know if we want him. We, Sorry, we, I completely <laughs> ruined your point. <laughs> no, my entire point to that was I do think they need a running back. I do think they need a uh, a senior redshirt se- grad transfer. I think they need somebody like that. I really do. I agree. And I know you personally, we talked about it. You're a guy that thinks that Ollie Gordon could maybe take over. And I don't maybe disagree by the end of the season. I know you and I both really like Nixon. I think both of us actually like Nixon, maybe a little bit more than Dom as the one to your point, a change of pace guy. I know our friend, friend, Michael P agrees with us. He's been pushing Nixon. Nixon as the one that's annoying. I want Michael P to know that he's very annoying, but he's, he's been pushing Nixon and I agree with him too. Nixon at the one and Richardson at the two shockingly is like, okay, now you can get me interested in that because Nixon has that shifty game breaking ability. We've only seen a little and bit. And he's of not him. small. He's no, just his hill size. But we don't know if he can handle the workload. We we've just seen like a, a glimpse of him, I feel like. And so it's like it's a difficult ask to take him from RB3 to RB1 that quickly. And right. at, at times he was RB4. So I don't see that as possible, but I mean, it's almost like Notre Dame's running backs last year. They were a little bit more thunder than lightning at times, but they would bring in the faster running back. And I can't remember his names. It was Chris Tyree and somebody else. Um, I can't remember it now either, but. But you know what I'm saying? Rather than go speed and then power, they went power primarily and speed with their change of pace back. So whatever they do, I know they're going to be fine, but I just. I wouldn't mind having a little more, uh, another option back there. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I agree with you on the running back. I, th- I think that would probably be the position of need here. And again, it's not a guy to come in and take the number one back carries. It's a guy to come in like how they, I think they thought they were going to use Jalen Warren last year. And then he just broke out, you know, you're kind of number two, number three guy that gets in there for seven, eight carries, just someone to have a veteran presence in the running back room. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Anybody, anything you think they like cowboy back is an interesting uh, inclusion there. I mean, I think it's they, just because they don't have very many now. Yeah. Gerard so transfers. And so it's, it's Cassidy, it's green who was previously listed as wide receiver and they changed him. We talked about yeah, that's on the right. podcast. 
And then Quentin Stewart, they've got Tabry Shetran. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. I'm going to pull up the roster real quick. but No, I don't think you are. Oh, and Luke McIndoo, Coach McIndoo. Oh, of course. But, of but course. that's it. So there's five. And normally I think they have more than that, especially when you've got guys like Shetran and McIndoo who are younger. So we'll see. I, I, doubt, I doubt they grab a Cowboy back. I think they're going to try to get a running back, though. And, you know, they don't have that many spaces, any, many scholarships available. Right. Hey, let me let me ask you something. Ty, our, our old friend Tyrese Williams, since we're talking about the transfer portal here, where did he end up? I don't think he's I don't think he's been uh, been picked up anywhere yet. Wow. That's surprising because he's been in the portal for three months now. Um, I've been Googling it this you know entire what? time because interior offensive line was like, man, Tyrese Williams would have helped, I think, with some of those things. But I, I think. Do we need another segment lost in the portal? <laughs> the portal doesn't have an end. Like, you know that, right? Like there's no bottom of the portal. Like you can enter and you might not come out. Yeah. I don't, I could be wrong, but I don't think he's, I don't well, think he's been picked up anywhere. No, I don't think so either, which, you know, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but that's, that sucks. Um, I'm sure he'll fit, find something. Um as spring football ends, as summer rolls around, but uh, man, he was in the two deep uh, here in Stillwater. So interesting, interesting stuff to uh, consider as the transfer portal becomes part of this. So Dustin, anything else on that before we move on? No, I think Kate, if you want me just to hit those recruits real quick, I was just going to mention them and then we can move on to basketball. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So there's been a bunch of people visiting during practice, which is always really cool, but Last Friday, they had Quentin Joyner, a four-star running back from Maynard, Texas, in the 2023 class visit. Ricky Loahila from Euless Trinity in 2023. He's not ranked right now. Parker Andrews, uh, both these guys are defensive linemen. Another defensive lineman that's not ranked in 2023. Ezra Ballinger from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's an offensive tackle in 2024, not ranked yet. And then on Saturday, they had Jordan Sanford, uh, three-star safety from the 2023 class from uh, Mansfield Timberview in Arlington, Texas. And then Calvin Clemmicks, a big-time offensive tackle, three-star, 2023 from Lawrence, Kansas, was there on Saturday. And then they've got some other big names coming down the pipe. One guy we've talked about on here a few times, uh, Isaiah Robinson, another big-time offensive lineman recruit, is supposed to be visiting on April 16th. So, We'll keep you updated on that. They've got guys like Austin Havens, a 2023 QB from Bixby, uh, came in recently. Nathaniel Palmer, another running back. Uh, he's from the 2024 class, is supposed to visit at the end of April. So a lot of guys that have come in, we'll keep you updated on, you know, if we hear any top list or anything like that. We've been trying to put those out there. So those are just some names. I don't really have a lot on any of these guys. Besides, I really like Clements and Robinson, the two offensive linemen. But other than that, um, shocker we'll that shocker that we're interested in the O lineman here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about them all day. Well, hey, we are done with the the football portal, football recruiting, but we're going to transition right into basketball. But we, before we do that, I do want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Price Buckley, uh, with Edward Jones. 
Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni as always. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. And you can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com slash price hyphen Buckley, B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Price, thank you for your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast. Dustin, I might need an advisor here one of these days if, if this stuff keeps going on. But anyway, beyond that, <laughs> basketball transfer portal, the gates are open and there is no bottom. I mean, but there are so many names. We kind of talked about yeah, this Kate, last week when you were gone. Take us through them. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can. There's so <laughs> many. I mean, Dustin, we, we've got a list here. Um, I want to start with one. Well, I want to start with one. I want to ask you, of all the names that we know of right now, who's the one that you're like, I need him, need him in my life? I think it's a guy that just jumped in who all Oklahoma State basketball fans that follow recruiting should be really familiar with, Texas guard Courtney Ramey. He yeah. entered the portal, and he also declared for the NBA draft. But to where he can come back, you know, he's just throwing his name in the hat. 6'3", 185 pounds. Last season, 9.4 points per game, 1.6 assists, 3.5 rebounds, 35% from three on 4.1 attempts, and a 77% free throw shooter. And a guy that I thought we were going to get when he was I, coming out of high school. I, I remember this. And, and you know, Courtney Ramey, the way he's done this right now, you know, again, not to get on my soapbox, but if you're a player that's like you're you're kind of on the fringe, you're not quite sure what you're going to do. You might be able to get into the G League, but, you know, maybe your current situation is not working out. Entering the NBA draft and the transfer portal is the way to do it right now. I think it's very smart because now you can get an evaluation, um, which everybody's doing now. And then you can open yourself up to any opportunity. Now, you might lose the opportunity you had. I know Texas is still very much on the table for Courtney Ramey. But now you open yourself up to literally any NBA team, any G League team, and any college basketball team. So, you know, that, again, that's just a cool way to do it. Uh, And to me, I completely agree with you. He was not in the portal the last time you and I talked. He wasn't in the portal when Cameron and I talked last week. But now he is. And Oklahoma State's like pressing need in the portal is point guard. They need a, a point guard who can facilitate number one and score number two. And I think that's Courtney Ramey. And I thought they were going to get him the first time around too. Um, you know, being from Missouri, I thought it was Oklahoma state or Mizzou actually, but then it ended up being Texas. And so now it's like, man, I know they were tight. Courtney Ramey and Mike Boynton were tight, tight back when he was being recruited. I think have still kept up. So I am. I would not be shocked at all to see him in Stillwater, and I do know that they feel decent about it. Yeah, and he's a guy that can stretch the floor more than a guy like Ice Likely could. He's not an amazing three-point shooter, but at 35% on over four attempts a game, you got to respect his shot, and that opens up the floor for not only him to be able to drive and facilitate, but for other guys to be able to drive and either take a shot like a Bryce Thompson Avery Anderson or facilitate. So it's just all around. I think he'd probably be the number one guy that I've seen us link to that. I think Boynton should try really hard to get. And like you mentioned, he's got good rapport with Ramey. They seem to be close. I think they can get this guy. Yeah, I do too. And I don't think he's going to the NBA. I I just don't think his game is there. Um, 
I don't think he's going to get a grade that he likes. No, I, I would be really surprised if he did. I don't know if he does anything well enough to, to go to the NBA level with it. Almost like Avery Anderson. It's like great college basketball player, not what the NBA is looking for right now. Um, so I bet he's in college next year and I bet Oklahoma state's in the mix. Yeah, I completely agree. Is there anybody besides Ramey you like, I know, Guys like Justin Hill from Longwood recently committed to Georgia. We've seen Oklahoma State linked to him. We've seen Nigel Pack from Kansas State enter the portal, but haven't seen Oklahoma State linked to him. He's going to Kentucky. I, yeah. I, can, I feel it. Joe Toussaint from Iowa. I know he's visiting West Virginia. Jalen Bridges, who Oklahoma State was linked to. We've seen he's got a bunch of visits coming up. None of them are Oklahoma State. So excluding those guys, someone that you think Oklahoma State's been linked to that they could realistically get, who's your number one besides Ramey? Ooh, man, that I think they could realistically get Sean McNeil feels good. Um, I like that one. And man, I mean, a Courtney Ramey, Sean McNeil combo out of the transfer portal would be like the stuff of dreams right there, because I, I would be surprised if that happens and it rarely works out that perfectly. But I mean, last year they, they pulled Bryce Thompson out of the portal because of Mike Boynton's existing relationship with him. I think that was the factor there. You, you get another shot. And, and then you can come do what you wanted to do for Bryce Thompson and Tyreek Smith coming from Texas tech. So a big 12, you know, inter interconference transfer is not out of the realm of possibilities. So if it were me, my, my list of guys that I really, really want right now is Courtney Ramey and Sean McNeil. Those two are the ones that I know the most about and feel the most comfortable with that. They fit a need Jalen bridges. I, he's not coming to Oklahoma state, but I also don't know what need he fits right now for Oklahoma yeah. State like he's a long three it's like I doesn't play great defense I don't know what he does well so um you know if it if it were me it's it's Ramey and McNeil and I think that's perfect too because a guy like a Jalen Llewellyn from Princeton he's got a 26 percent usage percentage do you really want a guy like that who's not who's more of a combo guard to come in when you've got Avery you've got Bryce Thompson you need a point guard and you need a guy that can shoot and McNeil, he's 37% from three on five attempts a game and an 87% free throw shooter and a guy that can get to the free throw line. I think you want more of a guy like that that can score without having to create his own shot. I agree. He can score off the facilitation than a guy like a – and look, I'll take Jalen Llewellyn. He's awesome. But I'm just saying I think you want a Ramey, a point guard type, and then a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands, that doesn't have a high usage percentage. I'm completely with you. Um, and like, it's almost like when Andre Curbelo from Illinois entered the transfer portal, as, as big a name as that is, it's like, do you, does that really help you at this, at this current moment? I, I was excited about it because I knew he, he was great um, with Kofi Coburn in Illinois, but he's a terrible three-point shooter, is a terrible shooter in general. It's almost like, you're putting Isaac likely back out there, um, which all due respect, but I just think Oklahoma state needs to move away from that style of point guard. So I think you need somebody that can create and yeah, we can beat that dead horse too, but it's Ramey and McNeil for me. Um, and other guys are going to enter the portal. And so it's, it's just going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm, I'm very excited. And I, I think we actually hit on everybody that's still, I know there's a, Caleb Asbury from Texas State. Texas State, yeah. And Keyshawn Bartholomew. I think that's how you say that from Colorado. And I think the only other one that interests me that I saw recently was Terry Roberts from Bradley. It's a six. Oh, yeah, that's right. Guard. Yeah, that's I thought right. That, that was kind of an interesting one because I think he is more of a point guard. 
I like the consistency though. Jalen Bridges is really the only like outlier in that group. It's like, what were they thinking with him? Maybe it was yeah. like try to fill Kalen Boone's slot. Like maybe they were like, maybe we throw him out out at the long three or something like that. But um, everybody else is a is a guard or shooter. The other weird one was the Mizzou guy with the yeah. crazy last name, uh, uh, Sean Duragordon. Duragordon. Yeah, he's like a six six, two hundred and ten pound guy, six five. Interesting. That didn't play like at all last year, and he doesn't shoot very well from three. Maybe it was so, a package deal for Aiden Shaw, who they also didn't. Get. Who knows? <laughs> yes, who committed back to Missouri. Yeah, I never heard after all that for Oklahoma State there, but I know we mentioned him on here. But yeah, he's back to Mizzou. So yeah, no, I don't know if that was ever. I, I wonder if he ever even talked to anybody else. He was back at Mizzou pretty fast, but um, again, no. not maybe a need for the way, I agree. the way he plays. But. I agree. I agree. It's almost, dude, it's almost like the Anthony Black thing. Anthony Black, like, yes, would have been great. I just think Mike Boynton needs to win and win now. And Anthony Black is not a one-and-done player. As as good as he would have been, you and I haven't even had the chance to talk about this. Not a, not a Cade Cunningham. So does a Courtney Ramey put you in better position than an Anthony Black? Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, so that's who they need to go get. Yeah. Anthony Black's probably not even going to be good. Yeah. He's not going to be any good. <laughs> <laughs> no, all I, right. I agree with you. I think that's a great point. All right, Dustin, moving along. Cause we've got Twitter questions. We got all sorts of stuff. Um, Cause we went 30 minutes on the offensive line. That's, that's the problem here, but yeah, we can, we can yeah. go quickly through the, through these next couple topics if you want. Yeah. I mean, Cowboy baseball last night coming off a win in, in Wichita. My yeah, so they've grounds. gone. So they've gone. Win, win, loss, win. So they they won the series against K State, one twelve nine, one eight six, and then lost two to seven. And they beat Wichita State last night, five to three. So Kansas State, again, take the RPI right now with a grain of salt. It's so fluid still because you haven't got into conference play. It's basically just all based off the non-con, and a lot of the better teams like to play at home, so they schedule teams to come to them. Well. In RPI, you don't get the full credit for a home win as you do a road. Illinois won their series. I saw this earlier on D1 Baseball. Shout out to our guy, Aaron Fitt. Illinois won their series against Purdue. And because it was on the road and they won all three games, they jumped 58 spots in the <laughs> RPI from, from last week. 58. And Mississippi State jumped a bunch. So the RPI is all over the place. I think Dallas Baptist right now is number two in the RPI, who Oklahoma State beat earlier Jeez. this year. Yeah, that'll so work. So take RPI with a grain of salt. But I say all that to say K-State's 112 in the RPI. They should have swept that series. You, they struggled in that third game to get hits. And then I think that's the one of the first games all season where pretty much everybody that came out of the bullpen – wasn't great so but then they go on to beat wichita state who's 119th in rpi and then they've got ou they got bedlam this weekend in stillwater who's 19 who's actually ranked higher in the rpi than ou is oklahoma state's top 10 in most every poll they're sixth in d1 baseballs but it's going to be interesting i I don't know kate i if if you if you want to hear my takeaways from the k-state series it's good to have griffin dorshing back yes great to have driven dorshing back but on the negative side, our guy, Jake Thompson, he's in a slump. Aren't we all? He's in Aren't a slump. <laughs> he's he needs to call Price Buckley. That's what he needs to do. <laughs> yes, he does. He's down to 330 now. Jake will pick it back up. He's one of the best hitters in college baseball. But to flip it back to a positive note, the man, I 
our man who I put on Twitter earlier uh, doing a rookie of the year style hidden ball trick who's been filling in for Griffin Dorshin, David Mendham. He's batting 309 and it's out of nowhere. all of late. He's just hitting great. He's great in the field. He had the one error recently, but Oklahoma State's still second in the nation in fielding percentage. I don't know if you knew that. Even after a two error game against yeah, Wichita State. That's tough to do. Yeah. So Zach Earhart's still batting above 300. If you can get guys like Noel McQueen, McLean, who's had a lot of strikeout issues, he just can't seem to correct. Rock Riggio started getting hot and he's kind of slumped again after. He missed a couple of games with sickness, and I think he had a fingernail or hand injury or something for, for him to miss a game. But Marcus Brown's been hot, a couple multi-hit games lately. So you get all these guys to come around. They've got so many guys at the DH spot they can play. And now you've got Dorshing back. He goes two for five with a with an RBI single. I think they're going to be fine. The Medeiros has looked good. Campbell's obviously still great. I think he's still top five somewhere in there in strikeouts in the country. Noel McLean's looked good when he's coming in pitched. He struggled a little bit in one outing against K-State. But the bullpen, the starters, and then Trevor Martin with nine saves have been amazing. I think you just – I think they're 175th I looked up in batting average. You just got to get the bats going a little bit more. It's It's been this. this has been the story for, for a long time, it feels like. It feels like we've talked about the bats – at least all season and definitely last season uh, when, when we were speaking about it, um, not on the podcast, but what's what I'm excited for. This is, a, this is a little bit of a challenging series. OU might be a little bit better than expected. Um, I know they, you know, lost a, a clunker against Texas last weekend. I think that split that series. I think that was a four game series and they won two, but should have won three. Which is impressive. Texas is good. Very impressive. Uh, it might've been a three game series and they should have won all three, but it, whatever happened, they're better than expected. And Oklahoma state's going to have their hands full. Um, and Dustin, can I, it, it kind of sucks that this is masters weekend because I mean, it's a huge series and it, it needs to be rowdy at O'Bright. Uh, you got a three o'clock, first pitch in O'Braid on Sunday afternoon with the masters. That's tough. You know, that's, that's tough. I'm not, I'm not sure how the showing will be there. Eight o'clock on Saturday. That's fun. That's yes. going to be rowdy. And I think it's six on Friday. The games have been so fun this year. I've been able to go to two already. And I know we've been giving away tickets. I hope everybody's enjoyed those, but yeah, I don't you know. You should get out weekend. there. Obviously like I can't, I, I'm not going to speak for anybody or make anybody feel bad about not going because I'm obviously going to be watching the Masters. But it's it's a fun atmosphere, and you should make it out that way. And we'll be doing more giveaways too. But, Kate, one good thing, Wichita State, they threw a bunch of lefties out there. Two of OU's weekend starters are left-handed pitchers. So they got a little experience with some lefties during the week. And then my last note on baseball, Ada Miola. There's so many good freshmen on this team. Yep. Riggio. Erhard, Carson Binge, who's been hurt, but I guarantee you he'd be playing if he wasn't. Aiden Miola is coming and playing third base, and then you can move. McLean's such an athlete. You can move him wherever he's playing right Literally. there the other day. Anywhere. He pitches. He's amazing at third base. But anyway, if he can figure it out at the plate, he's one of the best players in college baseball. But Aiden Miola, I wanted to shout him out. Coach Holiday said on his radio show that he has to play Miola because of how well he's played in practice. And he's come out there, he had an RBI double in the Wichita State game. Uh, he's solid, and I'm very excited about the future of this Oklahoma State team with those four guys that I just mentioned. So with Dorshing back, get Thompson out of his slump, get McLean to quit striking out. <laughs> and this they're gonna be they're rocked and ready to go. If you 
if you can get two games in this OU series, I think that's the goal. But if you can sweep this OU series, I, I think that's some serious momentum going to the heart of Big 12 play. Yeah, because, I mean, what, next uh, next weekend, who do they got? I know they got TCU coming up here in two weeks. Next week, they have They have uh, Wichita at- State again during, during the week. So they play Wichita State again, and then they Is have West at- Virginia in Morgantown. Yeah, that, it's that- in Stillwater for Wichita State at Morgantown. Yeah, that's perfect. I may try to get up to Obrid on Tuesday night. That sounds like fun. Um, but regardless, they are about to get into the meat of the Big 12 schedule because you got TCU, Texas, and Texas Tech still on the schedule. So that's tough. All good teams. And D1 Baseball actually released their midseason tournament bracket. And Aaron and they Fitt. Have Oakland... <laughs> yes, our guy Aaron Fitt. They, t- they also released a podcast on it, and they talk about Oklahoma State on there. So go listen. It's the D1 Baseball podcast. But – they have Oklahoma State as the 13 seed, so they're hosting the Stillwater Regional with Cade. They've got Stanford as the two, Georgia Tech as the three, and our old friends Oral Roberts as the four, who Oklahoma oh. State plays this year. So Yeah, welcome back. Um, that seems like a favorable regional. Um, yeah, you need to get to the point where you can host a super. Um, yeah, so you'd like that, them to be a top eight. I think that's the goal this year. I think anything else – I mean – you think that would be disappointing if they're not hosting a super regional this year? I think I'd be a little disappointed. Yeah, I think if I think if they don't if they don't host, they've got to make it to the super regional. And I think this season's a diff- disappointment. Oh, there's I, no doubt about that. I just think like if you have to go on the road to a, I mean, shoot, Vanderbilt's already number three in the country. Like if you have to go on the road to a team like that in the supers, I, that would that would not be great. I would be a little disappointed in that regard. So, um, but I think, I think things are going to get even better. Like they, they've done everything we've asked in this three week stretch with Seton hall, Kansas, Kansas state, like they've done everything we've asked except the bats just like haven't quite come alive, but they've won the games that we've asked. So just keep going. And uh, I think good things will happen. K-State's not great, but they can hit. I think they're top 35 in batting average. And you know what they on say? The road. You, went, you won the series on the road. You I know mean, what they that's... say? The ball flies in the Flint Hills. <laughs> it's tough. I forgot tough to win up there. they said that. But... Yeah, they do say that. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm still, I'm still really excited for baseball and still think this team can do a lot. Uh, Dustin, I know. Any, any update on the softball score as we're sitting here on, on Wednesday night? They won it 4-1. That's what I'm talking about. They, they can't can't stop, can't stop winning. Yeah. I, just just coming off a sweep of Baylor this last weekend. I mean, what's you've been watching a ton of it. What's kind of your takeaway over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I try to go back. Maybe it makes me a weirdo for going back and watching these softball and baseball games, but that's what I like to do for fun. So if I don't catch them live, I'll go back and try to watch for you guys, the fans. Yeah, for the for listener, UK. for the fans of the Feels Like Forty Five podcast, and me. <laughs> So, yeah, they beat Baylor 6-1, 2-0, and then 7-2. They faced the same pitcher, Orm, for Baylor in the first and third game. They just had her number. They were able to get a bunch of hits. Uh, Carly Petty and uh, Carwile, they've been on fire lately. Pennington has been on fire. Naomi's found her bat. The, Naomi's play in the field has been unreal. She ended or was the second-to-last out, I believe, in the second Baylor game. She had an amazing play at shortstop. But, you know, when you've got girls like Haley Busby and Morgan Wid that can't see the field because of how well other people are playing, that's absolutely insane. It's a good problem to have. I mean, out of the starters, so the girls that they've been starting, the nine girls that they've been starting, 
only Naomi and Carly Petty are batting below 300 and Petty is batting 281. And Naomi was, we talked about her. She was below 200 for a little bit. She's all the way back up to 262. Everybody else is above 300. Carwile's batting 419. Ellish is batting 392. Brianna Evans, the leadoff, who we love, is batting 385. The bats are insane. And now Ellish is clicking on all cylinders at, at pitcher. Kelly Maxwell's Big 12 Pitcher of the Week again. I believe it's the third time. When you've got two elite pitchers and the bats going like this, I seriously, I know OU has looked good. And Baylor's a team that almost beat OU. They ended OU's run rule streak, and OU had to win on a walk-off. Baylor was winning. So OU's the only real threat, I think, in I think in the whole country. I think Oklahoma State is the second best team in the country. Well, I really think I, they are. I mean, I, I agree with you. I can I interest you in a uh, college world series best of three in in oklahoma city between ou and osu oh I mean, that would be amazing. that would be nuts oh. ou is really good though so they're so good i know i know people i know people are watching softball it's an awesome sport when it gets to the ou series if we don't look that great just know that ou is insanely good so, uh, y'all can't see dustin it's just i can see you and that was a very funny delivery yeah no <laughs> ou is so good yeah so they've got uh softball has coming up i believe it sorry i had it up so they've got they they just had wichita state so they've got iowa state this weekend in ames and then they get a break they don't play a week game and they come back on thursday friday saturday to play ku back at home in two weeks so They'll be, they should, they should win all six of those. That should be six games that they win. I, Morgan Day came in and pitched great today. I know we haven't talked about her a lot. Kenny G on his radio show just said, with how Ellish and Kelly Maxwell have been pitching, it's hard to pitch anybody else. Cause in yeah. softball, you know, you can kind of go multiple days. You don't need a lot of rest. Oh, and yeah. With how they're pitching, it's hard to get Day in here who would start for any other team in the Big 12. So it's really how I think OU like escaped uh defeat last year in the in the college world series was because you're able to roll out a pitcher like if you've got an ace you're really probably like and and i mean a true ace now oklahoma state has the bats to back that up but like if you've got that ace you're gonna win so many games because it's just like you can throw them out there days in a row which is so unique so unique so yeah we saw um, last year with oklahoma state with eberly right interesting note tonight too dustin Coach G's uh, 250th, 250th win in Stillwater. Oh, nice. I did not know that. Yeah, pretty That's sweet. Awesome. Pretty sweet. The thousand clubs right right around the corner. So especially <laughs> if they keep winning this year. That's awesome. That's I mean, so cool. Shout out to Kenny G. We, we already talked about it, Dustin. Before we get to Twitter questions, it's, it's Masters Week. You've got Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, and Taylor Gooch, all from Oklahoma State representing. Um, before we get to that piece, though, like Dustin, what is Masters Week? do for you does it get you fired up like the wednesday night before the masters i'm like oh my god the masters is tomorrow like yes. i can stream that uh but if my employer is listening i do not do that so uh <laughs> but it's it's here like it's finally here and it's a real one yeah i i love i love this whole time of year when, when i lived i lived in yeah. houston for six years after oklahoma state and we would always go to the houston open which was the tournament right before right before yeah the masters so you just kind of start getting pumped up from then on it normally not to, not to sound selfish and talk about myself. Like I always do, but it normally falls around my birthday, which is great. And 
it's just it's just an awesome it's just an awesome event you, you know our friend of the pod alex fuller him and oh, some yeah. friends they they normally throw a master's party on saturday so that's always a fun time this year they're not to completely plug them but this year they're teaming with saint jude so no, do it. if you want some more info on that you can reach out to me and dm and uh we've we've tweeted it out from our from our feels like 45 twitter account but if you want to donate to that if you want details on on that let me know because uh it's for a good cause this year and it's a fun time but it's just it's just all around an awesome awesome weekend i, I don't know how how, do, how does it get like how do you i mean for it? me it's like I, I i grew up around the game it was like i, I dropped a baseball for it uh, growing up and and wanted to play golf as, as i was getting older and um, you know, played it all through high school. So um, it was, it was kind of my thing. And so the masters was uh, really like the, the cream of the crop. And so uh, there's obviously so much I can go on and say about it, but um, to and me, it's like, golfer. Um, I'm decent. <laughs> I haven't played as you're much bad. with, with the kid all around, but yeah, I mean, there, there was a time where I'd throw out a 74, 70. I, I did shoot a 75 at Karsten, um, a couple of years back. So yeah. that was a, that was a legit 75 for those. Well, I'll shoot a 705. Um, so, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you and I could get on one day and, and, and figure it out. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think it was actually 74 if I'm not wrong. Well, let's ask Cameron, let's get him back on the pod. Uh, I think it was a 74, <laughs> but regardless, I, I, I love golf. I love the game and uh, the masters, you know, I remember vividly at UMKC my senior year sitting in my lecture hall class on, on the masters Thursday, streaming it in class, <laughs> not, not listening at all. So I love it. I'm thankful for it. Um, Gooch Hovland Wolf from Oklahoma state in this tournament. Who do you think, like, how do you think those three end up? Let's, if they make the cut, give me like, Zero out of three, one out of three. How many make the cut? I'm going to say two. I, I think, I think Hovland's going to make it. I think this is the year, you know, his, he's, he seems to have been working on his chipping, which has always been kind of a struggle for him. He's been <laughs> quoted as saying he sucks at chipping. So I think Hovland, <laughs> I think Hovland can make it. He's been hot. He's been playing well. And so is Gooch. I think Gooch can make the cut. Yeah. I, I think both are going to make the cut. And I agree with you completely. We talked a little bit about this off off air. I'll be honest, but Wolf, I just like, maybe he, he catches fire and, and has a good week. Love but, Matt Wolf though. Oh God. But Augusta is not maybe the place to be trying that out. I think Hovland is playing some unbelievable golf and Taylor Gooch is too. So I think both of those guys could, will make the cut should make the cut. I'll say. And I think one of them, is going to compete. I think one of them is going to be in the hunt on Sunday. And if you, if I had to pick one, it's going to be Hovland. I think Augusta shapes up well with his game. Um, you know, he says he sucks at short game. I think he's not probably giving himself enough credit, but ball striking is so important at Augusta. Um, so I, I can't wait to see how it ends up. Who, who are you picking? Do you have a name uh, that you think is going to be the guy? I, I don't really, we do one of those little pools. I'm actually, actually in our, in our GPS Slack and I, I have Rom as my pick. So you pick in like the tier of their world ranking. I picked Rom in the one through 10. So I guess I'll say I have Rom. And then in the 11 through 20, I picked Kepka. So those are probably my two, but you know, I'm more, this is one of those ones where you get points for how low they shoot under par so I just know, I think both those guys are going to play well. Yeah. I don't know 100% if they're going to win. 
I, I really don't know if I have a surefire pick for you right now. I, no, no, the one's tough. There's ta- so many Tiger playing guys. is my favorite thing. It's obviously. fantastic. I'm a huge Tiger guy, so. And he is plus 4,000 to win, which is the exact same odds as the reigning champ, Hideki Matsuyama, which Hideki Matsuyama, which have two very different stories over the past year. So that's interesting in itself. But who's your pick? Uh, yeah, I was, I'm going to say Scotty Scheffler. Uh, I like it. It's just, he's, he's so good. He is so, he is good. so good. I and could he's been see consistently good uh, for two years, for recently, but for two years, really. I mean, he's, he's yeah. right there. I think he hits the ball far enough. I think he can score low enough on the par fives. Um, you know, if it's not him, it feels like it's it's Brooks. It feels like it's God, maybe a, a, a like a Cameron Smith, Will Zalatoris, a guy like that. But to me, I, I'm going to go with Scotty Scheffler. If I had to pick one guy, and I like how you did it with the tears. That's, that's how you should do it. So I like that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. I'm pumped for it. It's going to be a good weekend. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, shall we? Let's get to listener questions. Okay, Cade, I don't know if you want to start with the audio one or I can start with Twitter, but either way, I just want to come out and say first, our good friend, Philip Slavin, decided to tweet out oh a very awesome tweet today, which we'll talk about in the Twitter questions, but he tagged us in it and it got a lot of replies, which is awesome but it was very hard for me to figure out what was a Twitter question and what was a reply to that. So if I missed somebody's Twitter question, my apologies in advance, but I did my best to try to capture them all. I'll also say this, that tweet of, and if you didn't see the tweet, it was of the four results, like of the four pictures in this tweet, which one would you change? And I think the four were um, the field goal and aims, it was the dropped interception against OU in 2013. It was the inches short against Baylor. And what was the fourth one? It was um, the extra play in 2016. Yeah. And it, I mean, that tweet should have come with a trigger warning, Dustin. That's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> I didn't need to look down at that after a long meeting and, and see that. So, Philip, next time, just drop a, a, a TW on that for me. And just to, we don't have to talk about this question because there's another question similar to it that we got, but. I wanted to read Adam Lunt's response to this because I liked his response. He said, yeah, I, I did two, too. our friend of the pod at Adam Lunt 817. I have two answers to this. Reversing a play just to unlock more success. It is clearly the missed field goal from 2011. The team had a legit shot to beat LSU and win a natty. In regards to personal pain, it was the dropped interception in 2013. <laughs> that bedlam loss took a few years off my life. I think I agree with that answer. I think almost verbatim. Yeah, I, I think I do too. It's just that 2021, the Baylor game is so recent. I mean, I, I remember that Bedlam game like it was yesterday, and it yeah. was absolutely brutal. Um, I don't remember it hurting as bad, though. I was just I was just younger. I don't remember it hurting as bad as the Baylor game this last year. I agree. I think that one's me. up there, too. No, no I, it's I, a horrible I, I, question. <laughs> it's an absolutely horrible question. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, it ruined my day. Thanks, Philip. Yeah, thank you, Philip. Appreciate that. Hey, let's let's start with a, a, a listener question here from Alexander Smith, a friend of the pod. Hi, guys. This is Alex in North Carolina. Um, there's a lot of talk with Dominic Richardson being the bell cow back for the team this year. Um, I wanted to ask, if we go to more four wide sets, how does that change what he's got to do as a power back? Does it make it more difficult? Um yeah. And second question, um, are we sure we want to take Avery Anderson off the ball? Um, don't want to turn into that guy that's arguing on the message board, but um, 
it's not the years of Doug Gottlieb anymore. I want my point guard to be the guy that takes the ball to the cup and then will dish it out, and nobody gets the cup on this team like Avery. So um, I'd rather have focus on more distribution um, and ball movement off of the drives and on the uh, everybody around the point guard as much as on Avery. Yeah, he's got a turnover problem, but, you know, we'll, it's just age. We'll get through it. All right, love the show, guys. Thanks. Alex, that's a, a great question. Yeah, those are great questions. I appreciate that. So let's let's start with the, the question about Dom. If you go four wide, this is just the way I've always seen it. If you go four wide consistently, to me, I like a speed back that can gash 20 yards, 25 yards in a blink of an eye so you can go hurry up back to the ball and throw one deep. But you also can mix in some power there to where it works out. To me, I've always preferred speed if you're going to spread things out um, over power. But I, in, I mean, in between yeah. the 20s, like if you're going between the 20s, I want speed. But in the red zone, you want power. So, yeah, I, that's a that's perfectly said, Cade. And gr- great question again, Alex. But I, to, to the fact of what does it change? You know, it's really five blockers versus six, and you still always have the threat of Sanders running it. We're running that zone scheme, so. It, it's not it's not a huge change from the three or four wide receivers. Now, from the 12 personnel, it's quite different because you've got more cowboy backs. You can do that split zone where one of the cowboy backs comes across. You're running either outside zone or inside zone a little bit the other way, causing more misdirection yeah, sure. or eye candy for the defense. So in regards to like 10 personnel versus 12, there's a big difference. But when you're just talking three versus four wide receivers, not a huge difference there. But I like what you said. It is nice to have a guy – you want a guy who's patient, but not too patient, who can run this. You want what Jalen Warren did in the zone scheme, a guy that's that exactly can read it. the holes like that. And maybe even someone that's a little bit quicker than him is kind yeah. of what you're getting at, which I think what we're saying is Jaden Nixon. Yeah, it's, yep. <laughs> yep. You and I are in lockstep there. I, I would love Jaden Nixon to get 10 to 12 carries a game. And again, between the twenties, like, that that's where the bulk of your yardage comes from. And I, I remember Jalen Warren running roughshod in, in those, in that area, in those, in, you know, in that's in that fashion. So um, yeah, I, I like it. Um, and Alexander, your second part of that question, I'm sure I want Avery off the ball. I think the, the, the proof is in the film. He has less of a turnover issue when he is not expected to run the offense. Um, now, I think you make good points. You want a guy that can score handling the ball the most. Typically in college basketball, usage rate equals your best player. So I just don't know if that's Avery. I just don't know if he's he does enough to offset what he does poorly. And he turns the ball over a lot. Doesn't necessarily start the offense well. So to me, I, I want a Courtney Ramey running it with Avery at the two. I think both people both parties would be better off for it. And I think, I think the thing here, Cade, where you can get a little bit of A and a little bit of B is if you have a point guard that can shoot the three, who's respected from three, like a Ramey or like some of these other guys we've been talking about. And unlike ice, not to, not to bash ice in this way, but just to kind of make this point, you can still have Avery as an on ball guy as part of your offense. So if, if there's more space, Ramey's creating, running, pulling the ball up the floor, bring the ball up the floor. He can give the ball to Avery, and part of that offense could be Avery Iso. And that's still a good play from the wing or 
off a screen, it's not like you're completely taking the ball out of his hands at all times. He could still have a 20% plus usage rate and not be the point guard in Oklahoma state still in games. I think that's what I'm hoping for. And as, as I think Alex in your question, it was kind of, it seemed like a kind of an extreme one way or the other. I think you can do a little bit of both. And I think, I don't know if you agree, Cade. I love everything you said right there. Yeah. But those are awesome questions. And Alex, you always ask awesome questions and you always do audio. We're going to have to figure out a way to compensate you for this. Yeah. Like incentivize, incentivize that for sure. Yeah. So we're going to have to, I don't know if we can make some stickers or whatever. If you want to reach out to us and let us know if something you want and we can maybe make it happen. I love it. Cause I know you love can't it. get the tickets being in North Carolina. So <laughs> that's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. So we got any Twitter questions that you've got at the ready? Yes, I think so. Uh, <laughs> if not, I can do, I got, I got uh, some bits I can do. Yeah. I got some, you tell com- some I got some Netflix comedy special. I'm trying to like iron out. So, um, so I, I do want to shout out our guy, Zach Crow at Z underscore a underscore C underscore 98 sent a picture of the weather in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, he did. His app says feels like 45 degrees. And he said, even the weather's a fan of the pod. So Zach, we appreciate that. Our friends at Wide Right and Natty Light, the Iowa State SB Nation website, they're a great site. Even if you're not an Iowa State fan, they're they're funny on Twitter. Which we are not, but that's fine. (laughs) They asked, would you trade Barry Sanders going to Iowa State for the 2011 Quim Sharp field goal to be good. And Cade, if you need a second to think about that, I saw this earlier and I thought about it for a second. And I think I have my answer if you want me to go. Uh, Yeah, I do want you to go. So I think I'm going to keep Barry Sanders at Oklahoma State. And my reasoning is, one, Barry Sanders, the only Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma State. He's basically the face of football, even though he played in the late 80s. He was one of my favorite players in Louisiana growing up I didn't have any connection to Oklahoma State that's and I know he was all like when he played for the Detroit Lions and just everything about Barry Sanders I don't want to lose but also you're getting the Quinshart field goal good that doesn't give you that national championship I even being an LSU fan think Oklahoma State had a really good shot to win that game as our friend Adam Lump pointed out in his tweet but it's not guaranteeing that and do you want to lose Barry Sanders forever to maybe have a shot at winning a national championship. If you're telling me I'm for sure winning a national championship, maybe it becomes a little bit harder discussion, but I think this is easy. Keep Barry. Oh, see that. I think we do a good job of like having like disagreement. And I think I disagree with you. I, I will preface this by saying Barry Sanders playing for Oklahoma state is like a small step behind like a Michael Jordan being a Tar Heel. You know what I mean? Like those two things are synonymous. Barry Sanders, Oklahoma State, Michael Jordan, Tar Heel. I mean, you could go uh, down the list with, with some of those connections between a star athlete in their pro career and a college that they played for. To me, I think Oklahoma State, if they got to the national title game, they were going to win that game. But I don't even know if they had to do that to make it worth it. Barry Sanders was fantastic. But like, I mean, look at like Lamar Jackson today. Does anybody really care that he played at Louisville? I mean, anymore, like, does that really matter? And, and did Louisville football benefit from that? So my question is, did Oklahoma State football ever, and golly, I might get canceled for this in this community, but like, did they have a direct like return on that investment? Like, Yeah, the Barry, Barry Sanders Super Center. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, they, they built it out right outside of town. That's a great point. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not diminishing. Barry, Barry Sanders, I mean, is an unbelievable ambassador for Oklahoma State. But, like, a national title appearance means a lot, I think. I think. Especially in 2012, which is when that game would have been, that 2011-2012 that season, when it wasn't the college football playoff. That's the natty. So that's yeah. different. I, I don't know. I don't know if I have a strong opinion one way or the other. I just think that's a great question that I don't know if I know the answer to. No, you made solid points there. And basically my key takeaway is you hate Barry Sanders, but no, just kidding. I think those were great points. And my, I honestly am second guessing myself now, but I'm they did. They weren't Barry. good after Barry left. Right. So it's like, what did you, that you got unbelievable highlights. You got unbelievable exposure for the university. That's of course, like all of that is great. But like beyond that, what what did you get? Was there anything like uh, lasting beyond just that connection? I don't know. I I would probably lean towards Barry, keeping Barry, but I think there's a discussion to be had. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, our friend uh, Brian Metcalf at Brian J Metcalf, and thank you, Wide Right Natty Light. That was a great question. Um, at Brian J Metcalf, friend of the pod, Brian, thanks as always for your questions. He said, of the spring sports, which one is in the best shape to capture a conference title and or make a deep postseason run? So baseball or softball, Kate, let's just say that. Which one do you think has the best chance to win a conference title? And then which one do you think has the best chance to make a deep postseason run? It could be the same answer. I I think it's the same answer. I think it's softball. I think there are too many good, really good teams in baseball. And I think Oklahoma State softball, I I agree with you. I think they're number two. I, I agree with you. Um, but if you look in college baseball, you got Tennessee, who is is really good this year. You've got Vanderbilt, who is really good this year. Texas. There are some teams in the way. So I would take softball for both of those. I th- I agree with you. But I think for co- if we're just saying conference title, I might say baseball, just because they've started off pretty good. Only yeah. the one loss, basically taking care of some of the lower teams in the conference. If you can – if you can win this OU series, if you can win a TCU series, you may have a shot at the regular season conference title, but I think they definitely could win the tournament because we've seen them do that. That's true. That's totally multiple true. times when they even haven't been the best team in the conference. So I think I can see that the problem with softball is they got to go through OU to win the conference title and to make a deep postseason run, they may not have to play OU right away. So that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. So kind of a trick answer there, but I, it I is like a little tricky though. That's softball, so. I, I think you're actually probably correct in that, but I just, I mean, yeah, the question wasn't about a successful season. It was about titles. I think you're probably right actually. So no, great question, Brian. He shouted out uh, the Oklahoma state alumni rugby team. He said they play at 1 PM at Willits intramural fields. I don't know. He didn't say what day I don't think, but I mean, are we rolling out there with a six pack or what's the scoop? I mean, how do you go? What's, how do you watch this? His, his little image that he sent of Oklahoma state rugby is a blue from old school wearing a rugby shirt. (laughs) And it says, just blow the whistle you pansy. So that's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Okay. So we talked about, we talked about the 10, 12 network. Kid, you're going to have to give me. Yeah, no, we're, we're, second. we're perusing because of the engagement we've had on Twitter today. Um, and again, okay. I, I've, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I've got one. Sorry. So we've got Corbett Klein at Corbett Klein. I believe we've gotten a question from Corbett before. He says if Oklahoma State basketball 
had a ring of honor like football or retired oh. jerseys, who would be the first player inducted? I got to start reading these right when they happen because that is such a good question. Um, <laughs> sheesh. Do you have an answer for that? The first player inducted. I mean, so I think you, I think it's going to be similar. I think you, you would want it to be similar to football. Let's just put this caveat out there. Let's not go for a, you know, like old school. Yeah. Like no, no. I think you got to start it with a guy that the fans know kind of how Oklahoma state has done. So if you're going to do that. I think, is it big country? I think it's gotta be. I think it would be. I don't know. So you've got Tony Allen, you've got guys like that that have had because you've got to pick somebody that at least had some success in the NBA, right? Yeah. If you're gonna do it like they did with football with Thurman and Barry. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Big start country. it with you just gotta start it with one of those people, is what I'm saying. Well, it's just like I I mean, I don't know what I mean, Bob Curland was great, uh, I'm sure, but there's like no film. You you just kind of like go off the story of legend. And so, he's gonna go in. He just can't be your first guy. I no, think. I I love big country. I mean, I think he is he's kind of the guy that like non-Oklahoma State fans think about when they think about Oklahoma State basketball. So not that that puts you in the ring of honor, but I think I mean he, he's just kind of a, a legend. And if, if he doesn't have the injury issues, I mean, you've heard Shaq say multiple times that big country was one of the hardest people for him yeah. to play against. And he, you go look at his stats. They're not bad in the right, NBA. They're, right. they're solid. He just couldn't stay on the court. So I think it's big country. I think Tony Allen is one you put up there because he all his accolades in the NBA and how good he was how, um, how in far, college as well. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. How far down that list is Marcus Smart? Five. If he wins defensive player of the year this year, then I think he's pretty high up there. Yeah, as a guard, the first one since Gary Payton. I mean, is he number like three? He wanted to put in there. I don't think you can. Yeah, obviously you can't put him like one, two. But I think he'd be a good top five guy because he's so relevant. Man. That's the problem. You got to do. You got to do what football did and put either the most famous person of all time. <laughs> or you've got to have really, really relevant players like a Thurman Thomas, who was good in the NFL as well, or people are going to be like, oh, it was easy for football. One of these things. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that question, though. It's a great I do question. Too. Yeah. No doubt about it. Okay. So we've got uh, Cursive Cowboys at Cursive Cowboys. Uh, the I, Twitter is just an orange, it looks like, but landed you, a great Cowboys. handle. Yes. So over under Ollie Gordon has 600 rush. The over under line 600 of Ollie Gordon rushing yards. Oh, that feels like a really good number. Uh, I think it is a really good number. Like that's a really good place to put that. I was, I was going to say under two, Dustin. I, you, we've got Gundy's going to give him a shot. Well, I mean, if you've got, (laughs) if you've got Richardson and Nixon, and then you may have transfer portal running back to be named later, like where's the carries going to come from to get 600. I don't see it. The only, I think the only way I can see that is if there's injuries to Dom and Nixon, you have to put him in, but let's say barring injuries or barring serious injuries, like maybe miss a game here or there. I don't think he gets enough carries to get there. Even if he breaks off some big runs, I just don't think he gets enough carries. No, that's, that's where I'm at. I I agree with you completely. I love that number though. I think it'd be close, man. I, that just got to make betting odds. Is that what he does for a living? (laughs) Cause that was like the hard, a hard number. It is a great Twitter handle as well. Um, 
So we've got, I think, I think that was it, Cade. Okay. Well, if it's not our oh, deepest. Oh, de- wait. Oh, sorry. We got, oh. we got one in a direct message. My apologies <laughs> from our guy uh, at Bobby Durrell, Robert M. Durrell Jr. Uh, he said some nice things about the podcast. So really appreciate that. He had a couple of questions in here. Let me just read them. Do you think we will get new uniforms anytime soon? And if so, what would you like to see featured on them? Additionally, do you think they'll make the Curse of Cowboys a staple on the helmet when they finally get new uniforms? Thanks, fellas. Yes, and yes. Great question. I do think they will get new uniforms. I actually thought, I think that question might stem from, I thought they were going to get new ones this football offseason. They still could. It's getting a little late, though. I thought they were supposed to get them last year, and I thought COVID pushed it back. But maybe maybe they just love them. So, if they were to get new uniforms, I think Curse of Cowboys would be a staple. So that answers your second question. And I want it. It would. Be. I do too. I want it right across the chest, like kind of small, like right under the collarbone. Um, I think it looks sweet. Yeah. And anything featured on them, I think maybe I'd want something not featured on them. I agree. Like I'd may, the Paisley maybe lose the. The Paisley is what kind I, of I'm getting at. Yes. I don't hate it though, Cade, like as much as some people. I just don't like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be positive. No, I I think I'm with you. I think it has worn off on me as as I've gotten older. Is like it's it is flashy and um like I don't know. I think Oklahoma State doesn't necessarily need that. I think with the helmets that they could pull off, um, I think Curse of Cowboys does a lot for you. I think they could subdue the next uniform a little bit and just kind of boil it back down to its essence. Like no numbers or names, just a yeah, plain orange. No, just full <laughs> orange. And remember everything we said about Curse of Cowboys, throw that in the trash. So, yeah. No, nope, I'm with you. No, love that. Love that uh, question from Robert. And again, I'm, tr- I'm trying to look, Kate. I, I think that's I mean, all. at this point, we're going to have to start like charging these people. Time. Like we, I mean, we've given you two hours of free content basically this week. So, I mean, at some point, I mean, we, we gotta, we gotta, the shot clock's going to go off here. Yeah, no, I, I think that's it. I really appreciate everybody's questions. They were awesome this week. You guys asked such good questions. Kate and I, when we did, do. when we did our other podcast, we would get questions, but these are just, but they suck. Always great. <laughs> They, they weren't terrible. They just, these are really well thought out. I mean, Brian Metcalf adds hours to my work week sometimes. So yeah. uh, they're, they're great. And, and Philip, maybe, uh, maybe don't post a tweet like that when I'm trying to send out questions again, bro. Yeah. On a Wednesday morning too. Like, and again, that a trigger a warning tweet. would have been very appreciated because I looked down and saw that just like, I mean, you couldn't have, you couldn't have put four worst pictures in a tweet like to me. So no, just kidding, Philip. Though I, I do like greatly appreciate the Twitter questions. It is my favorite part of the show. The listener questions. It's just fun. Just fun to have you guys a part of it, and it is unique because we didn't really have it last podcast we did together. Um, and so th- it's 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 unique, and I really enjoy it. But I mean, Dustin, I think you're good. I'm good. Um, I, I gotta get to bed. It's a school night. Next What's week up? we'll be late. Late that's in the week right. Next week. That's right. Great point. You're going to look up on Thursday morning and there's going to be no podcast because we are recording Thursday night. Um, I'll be in San Antonio all week for work. Um, 
So looking forward to that, but we will be a week later. So the podcast will be out Friday morning. So be ready for that. Um, but Dustin, as always, appreciate you, brother. It was great uh, reconnecting. Glad vacation was good. Good to have you back in the saddle. If you're not following us on Twitter, you can follow Dustin at Dustragoo. And you can follow me at Cade Webb. Follow the Twitter account at FeelsLike45Pod. And then my only other request, I have four this week, is that you take a second and leave us a review on Apple, on Apple Podcasts. Um, we're up to 40 five-star reviews, Dustin. Um, it's not a lot, but it is good, but it's not a lot. And we've never asked for them. So I'm now asking you, please take a second. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy this two hours of Dustin and I rambling, um, a, a five-star review does mean a whole lot uh, to us. So I would And if you that. want to bash us in the review, just make it five stars. You can write whatever you want. You can make fun of Caden and I. That, we'll, that would we be, might read it on the podcast if it's funny. That would be my preference is that you just give us five stars and then, and then roast us. That would be good. We could, Ooh, you know, it'd be good off season content. We could do the roast of Caden Dustin and then let our listeners send in questions, but to be entered, you've got to leave us a five-star review. Just book that. We're going to do that. So anyway, but Dustin, it was a pleasure, man. Good talking to you. Uh, if there's nothing else, we're going to get out of here as always talk to you next week. Go folks.